Well, welcome today. Today, in the time we have, I'm going to try and do two things. Uh, three things, actually. Firstly, I want to say thank you to Mark. Thank you to uh, Yvonne and Steve for organising things today. It's my departure day. But what we're trying to do today is celebrate fatherhood as well as launch a new series that we're titling The Making of a Leader. And over this next month, what we'd like to do is today being Father's Day, combine fatherhood and leadership, the making of a leader to today and then continue that on. We're going to look at it through the eyes of a young man by the name of David. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the preparation of a leader. We're going to to look at the calling of a leader, the testing of a leader, and the regret of a leader. In some ways, every single one of us here is a leader, whether you're at school, uh, at home most of the time throughout the week, or perhaps in the workplace, we're all leaders of sorts. Everyone can follow someone else, and, and you can also be someone that people follow. In fact, so we're going to be talking today about the idea of upping your leadership, whether that be in the leadership of you leading other people in your life, or perhaps you're here today and you're a father. You know, it doesn't take much for someone to become a parent, but it takes a lot for someone to become a father. All it takes for someone to become a guy to become a parent is uh, one night of passion with a willing lady and nine months, and then you get to be a parent. But not everyone becomes a father. Not everyone steps up, if you like, and embraces fatherhood. So what I'd like to do today in our time that we have remaining, my departure Sunday, is launch a theme of leadership, the making of a leader, as well as celebrate fatherhood. And what I want to suggest to you today is that making of a leader begins with the preparation. And just before I go any further, what I'd like to do is pray and ask that God, as a heavenly father, might actually do his work here and amongst us this morning. In the unseen world that's very real and seen for you, so that he might do his work of healing and of lifting and encouraging every single person here in this space this morning. So Father, I'm aware that from where you sit and you dwell, you desire to mend broken wounds. I'm aware here in this place today that there are some people who will be grieving about Father's Day. There will be others, Father, who will find it uncomfortable to think of fathers whilst other people can celebrate the goodness of fathers. And I ask here in this place, God, Heavenly Father, that you might do your work, that you might bring your healing and your encouragement and that your life so that we might know and grow as human beings, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to pick up the story today of this little boy. His name is David. And we're going to explore leadership through his eyes. What the first thing is that we discover is that he's a shepherd boy. And if you want to follow with us this morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16, a part of the Bible, as well as Psalm 23. But the first thing we discover about David is that he is a young shepherd boy. And if you like, he is the, at the lowest of lows. He is not the height of fame. He's at the lowest of lows. And over the next month, as we travel with him, we're going to discover him becoming, moving from a boy to a man, uh, from a father to a leader to a king. 
In fact, what we discover through his life is that through his lineage, the king of all kings eventually comes through his line, that is Jesus. And what David is going to discover is that God is far more interested in what he wants to do in him so that he might shine more fully his life and his love and his goodness through him. I wonder if you're here this morning and God seems like a faraway idea. Perhaps you're here this morning and the idea of God is kind of a little bit clunky for you. Maybe you see him as the taskmaster. Maybe you see him as a good father. I want to suggest to you that God is far more interested in what he wants to do in us so that he might better shine his life and his love through us. First thing we discover about this young David is that uh, he is the lowest of low. You see, we pick up the story in 1 Samuel in which David is a shepherd boy. And Samuel, God's spokesperson, God's prophet, if you like, to the, the nation of Israel, is coming looking to anoint and to call out a new king. You see, Israel, God's people, have kind of rejected God and they said, we want to be just like all the other nations. We'd like to have a leader, a king, at the forefront leading us. And the first one that was chosen by the name of Saul was kind of a failed king. You see, he was so, felt so inadequate on the inside that he always looked to what other people wanted rather than what God wanted. And so he was kind of being set to the side. And so Samuel, God's spokesperson, comes looking uh, to the, a new family to choose one person that would be the new leader. So he comes to Jesse's family. And the first thing we discover about Jesse is that he has eight children. And, and the least of them is a shepherd boy by the name of David. In fact, when Samuel comes and actually asks, I'd like to see all your sons, I'd like to choose the new leader and the new king. In fact, his own dad doesn't even think of him in first. He he goes through all the seven before and then uh, Samuel asks this question. Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, and he's out tending the sheep. See, the first thing we discover about David, he's going to be someone who feeds the sheep. You see, David was out in the wilderness doing the lowest of low tasks and jobs. He was the one who was supposed to look after the sheep and the goats so that the family could be nourished. If you ask David what he was doing out in the wilderness all that time, his simple answer would be, I've been feeding the sheep. That is, I take the sheep and the goats to where there's nourishment and food in this barren land. And then there are other times where I need to take those same goats and sheep and need to lead them to quiet pools, not running flowing rivers like we know, but just still waters where they'll come and lap and be nourished. David would say, I'm here to feed the sheep. You know, we live in a culture that is so bent on instant success. People want to experience the praise of others and receive promotions before they do the preparation that's involved in becoming a leader. If you had to press David a little bit further and said, David, is that all you're doing? Is the only thing you're doing feeding sheep and goats? He might answer back to you the words, actually, what I'm really doing is not just feeding the sheep. I'm actually learning to receive instruction away from my father. I'm actually doing my father's bidding whilst no one's 
watching. If you like, I'm, re- I'm learning to receive instruction when no one else is watching. When I was about 14 years old, I got my first job. Scully's Fruiterers in Greensboro. Some of you may have been there. Some of you might have had some fruit from that store. I remember as a 14-year-old, the one thing they had going that was better than anyone else is that they had a parcel pickup delivery service, and that was me. I would turn up for shift in the afternoon, and the parcels that were loaded up up top in these plastic containers would be run down the chute, and then I would pick them up, stack them all in order, and then people would come down with the ticket and say, here's my ticket, that's my fruit and veg, could you walk it to my car? I spent the first years of my life in my first job carrying baskets of food to people. Whether it's hailing, uh, shining or raining, that's what I did. And then at the end of my shift, after lifting all those different heavy loads as a 14-year-old, the last job of the day was to go up top and mop the floor. Now, do you think I love this job as mopping the floor as a 14-year-old? It was about the last thing you wanted to do after a heavy, hard day's work, but you would go up there to mop the floor. And so the idea in mopping the floor was to try and do as little bucket changes as you could because that required more time and you just wanted to get out of there to rest. But I would get the mop and the bucket, fill it all up and start mopping the floor. And then at the end of mopping the entire floor of the fruit shop, you would look to the boss and you'd say... I've mopped the floor. And then they would go ahead and inspect the floor to see if I'd really mopped the floor. There were times as a 14-year-old when I just wanted to get back home and they would look to me and say, mop the floor again. And I would have to get out, get the bucket all over again, fill it up and mop the floor. They wanted a clean floor. I wanted to get home. You see, if you had have asked David, what are you doing out there? He might have said to you, I'm feeding the sheep. But if you had pressed him a bit deeper, he might have said the words, actually, I'm learning to receive instruction when no one else is watching. And the importance of that is because if I can't do it when someone, well, if I have to do it when someone is watching, the chances are I won't do it when someone isn't watching. If you like, what's happening to David is that the preparation, if you like, the making is in the shaping. That what God wanted to do in his life in those wilderness barren places was to lay a foundation for him that he could receive instruction even when no one was watching because God is more interested in what he wants to do in us so that he might shine his love and his life better through us. Think of a job right now that you hate doing. Whether you're at school or at home or at work, think about the job that you resist the most. The chances are that you resist that because you don't like it. Or the chances are that you resist that job because someone's asked you to do it and you do not like receiving their instruction. You see, right there is the place of learning and growth for you. It's the place where you need to wrestle and say, what am I going to do? Am I going to allow this to change my heart or am I going to become hard? The reason why this is important is that every single one of us here loves giving instruction. 
But if we don't like receiving instruction, the chances are when we give instruction will be dangerous. Because we will use other people to do the things for us that we don't want to do ourselves. And God wants to do a work in you. Because I believe he's more interested in what he wants to do in you so that he might better shine through you. If you can't take instruction from someone above you, then I don't think you're prepared to give it to someone beneath you. And the chances are, if God comes speaking to you, that you won't receive his instruction anyway. Why? Because your heart is not open to it because you want to be in control. You see, the making of a leader begins, the first thing that David discovered, if you had have asked him, what are you doing? He would say, I'm feeding the sheep. But if you had oppressed him, he would have said, actually, I'm learning to receive instruction. Second thing we discover about David is he's out on the battlefield. He's not waging a war, but his brothers has been sent off to fight a war with the nemesis of Israel. Kind of the team that you always come up against around finals time. It's that team again. And it's the Philistines. They're the ones who are just nagging and gnawing away. It's always the finals, including them. And they have one particular character in their team, like the like the Ruckman, like the and, Andy Sanderlands, Sanderlands for the Fremantle Dockers. The Sanderlands is the giant, right? He is a huge behemoth. And his name is Goliath. And Goliath is the one who's always taunting, if you like, the team Israel. And what David discovers when he goes there, because he's been sent there by his father, David, uh, by his father Jesse, to go and find out what's happening with the brothers because some of his brothers are actually at the forefront of this battle and he wants to know what's going on and so he takes, he gets, sends David out to deliver some food to them. And so David mingles amongst the warriors and this behemoth of a man, Sanderlands, comes, Goliath, and stands out and begins to taunt them. He taunts God, he taunts them and David, something stirs in him and he says, as, as Goliath is saying, send me your best man. It's going to be one-on-one, do or die. I win, we win, you win, you win, but let's have it on. And David hears this and there's something that gets in his goat. And so he goes, pick me. They go, we can't pick you. You're just a little boy. You're a shepherd boy. You're the least of the lowest. You're the eighth of the bottom of the rung. He goes, no, no, pick me. And they take him up to Saul, who's king at that time. And he says these words to Saul when Saul looks at him and says, you're just a shepherd boy. You're just a little kid. You can't do anything of greatness. This is what he says. David says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a, with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. What David's trying to say here, it's less about his courage and his craftsmanship, his skill as a warrior. And it's saying so much more about his care and his love for the sheep. Many years ago, after I finished my studies over in America, I traveled to Israel. And there we were in a group walking along an aqueduct. We're walking along this, this sort of this channel of water. And, and as it cut through the landscape, it, it made its way through into some mountains. And as we headed into the, the canyon within this mountains, we came across a family, a shepherd family. And the shepherd family was sitting there eating watermelon beside the cool stream. And as I looked up around about, I noticed that there were sheep and goats popping their heads up all through the landscape. 
And what I discovered about that space is that the, the sheep and the goats were kind of more like family pets than they were just beasts of the field. And the two things that a shepherd would have in order to protect the sheep would be a club, a rod, and a staff. The club was used to ward off any wolves or lions or beasts. And the the long staff was used to knock down perhaps olives from an olive tree to feed. Or perhaps to guide the sheep to tap them along and to get them back into line. That's what the staff did and that's what the club did. And these were the two devices that a shepherd would use to protect the sheep. Some weeks ago in our life group, I was talking about the role that kind of leaders here at New Community play. I said, you might be so strangely curious to know why leaders around here get pesky to be involved in people's lives. We ask personal questions. We want to know about you. We want to know about families. We want to know about what's going on in your world. I said, it's because the primary model that we have as leaders is of a shepherd. I said, our job is never done. One of the challenges that we have is that we're supposed to present people to God complete in in Jesus. That is, you're supposed to think like Jesus, act like Jesus, and trust in Jesus for everything. I said, who in my group has got it all worked out like that? They looked at one another and said, no, no, we haven't. (laughs) I said, well, neither quite have I. And so that's why our job is never done as shepherd leaders, is because we are always looking for nourishment and the growth of the sheep. You see, the difference between a shepherd and a leader and just a hired hand is that when wolves come, hired hands run away. But when there's a shepherd who cares, the sheep know, and he even gives their lives. You see, we live in a culture that's not just quick for a fast promotion. We live in a culture that's quite willing to say, I will use you as my stepping stone for success. In God's kingdom and economy, it's the other way around. You want to go high in God's economy? You've got to be prepared to reach low. Because at the end of the day, leadership from God's design is actually not about you. Leadership in God's economy is not about you. Leaders are for others. Fathers are for children. Fatherhood is primarily not about you. It's about others. Leadership is primarily not about you. It's about others. And guess what? The sheep can tell. Now, if you're a staff member here at New Community right now, you're on the paid staff, could I just ask you to stand where you are? Go ahead. Just stand. Quickly now. Very good. These are your shepherd leaders. Honor them. These are the ones with a rod and a staff. They want to be pesky in your lives because they love the sheep and they want the sheep to grow. They want to lead them beside quiet pools of water and they want to nourish them in grassy pastures. And this sheep here, this shepherd, Yvonne, is the lead shepherd. She is the shepherd from now. Steve's close beside. They've got big rods and staffs, but so do the others. 
honor the shepherds. Thank you. You see, God is more interested in what he wants to do in us so that he might better shine through us. And if your life is on about just you, other people will know. You see, what David was learning in the preparation time out in the wilderness was that he was learning in the isolation to receive instruction when no one was looking. Feed the sheep. Mop the floor. Do the task and allow God to do his work in you so that he can shape your heart and take you to another level. Because the way in which our world describes this kind of loving affection is more in terms of permissive love, not sacrificial love. You see, Jesus, it was said, said these words. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And then he goes on and says this, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy and I come that you may have life. Yes, I've come that you may have it full to overflowing. You see, if you want to lead in God's economy, you want to reach high, you've got to be prepared to reach low. You've also got to be prepared to say, it's not about me, it's about them. God is more interested in what he wants to do in you so that he might better shine his love and his mercy and his grace and kindness through you. The making is in the shaping. If you had asked David, what are you learning out there? Cutting your teeth in the preparation he would simply quite easily say, I'm learning to receive instruction, feed the sheep. I'm learning, if you like, to love the sheep. That's why I protect them. And if you like the last thing, how do we know that the preparation had its work in David and that his heart was being shaped through this time? It's because the greatest poem, psalm, in the Bible if you like, one of, is ascribed to David in which he pitches himself in the hands of a great shepherd. And he would say, in my time in the wilderness, I formed a conviction that not only was my role to feed the sheep and protect the sheep, but that I need to follow the shepherd. And he pens these words as he pitches himself as a little goat, a little sheep in the hands of a shepherd. This is what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in grassy pastures. He guides me beside restful waters. He restores my life. He leads me in faithful path for his name's sake because that is who he is and that is what he does and that is what he is like. He is a good shepherd. And then he goes on from his experience in the wilderness, in times when he would feel distant and alone, in the times in which he would feel afraid and scared. He pens these words, even when I walk in the darkest canyon, I do not fear disaster because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, following Jesus doesn't mean that you won't have, if you like, canyon dark experiences, dark deep valleys to walk through. But what it does mean is that there's a shepherd who would walk with you. You see, a hired man, a hireling, 
will just want to lead you into the canyon and leave you there. But a good shepherd wants to lead you through those dark times to the pasture land and the waters that are at the other end. And then he finishes with this overflowing, abundant image, this conviction he's formed in the wilderness where he cut his teeth. God, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you bathe my head with oil. My cup overflows. Good and commitment will chase me all the days of my life. And I will dwell. I will dwell. I will dwell in your house for long days. Because that is what you are like. You are good and you are committed. And you chase after human beings made in your image. And you run after and you chase after. And it's as though he's picturing himself at a banquet where God lavishes him with everything. And he is the recipient of God's good grace. I believe God's more interested in what he wants to do in us so that he might better shine through us. What's that one task? Give me one more action. Who are the sheep around you that God has put in your care? I'm not just talking about children. I'm talking about people. I wonder who it is that God might speak to you about even now to say that's a sheep you need to care for. That's someone you need to reach out to. You see, the way in which our world sees love is through permissive. Permissive love says, you can do whatever you want and it doesn't kind of matter. The only problem with permissive love is that it leaves you exactly where you are. But when you come to know God, he calls you to a higher place. And he operates on this thing called sacrificial love. You see, the beauty about sacrificial love when someone gives themselves for someone else, puts themselves in the way of harm, is that people experience a redemptive element in that. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than they may lay down their life for another. And that is exactly what Jesus did for you. He died and he rose again break the power of sin and death over people's lives and bring into their life a new spirit, a new life, a new power. You see, permissive love keeps you exactly where you are, but God calls us to a higher way. We only experience that through sacrificial love. It has redemptive power. You see, the image that David formed in the preparation was an image that looked like this. That's why it was said of him that he had a heart that was kind of like God's. Because he had learnt to receive instruction. He'd learnt that it wasn't just about him. But he learned in those times of fear and isolation and anxiety that there was a God who was ever present like a good good shepherd that wanted to walk with him. 
I love this picture because the hands open. Do you see that? And the little hand, the tiny hand, is the one that just clings to. Marvelous picture of the proximity and trust to lead through. God's more interested in what he wants to do in us than through us. What's the one task? Who are your sheep? And I wonder here this morning, if God is calling you to a higher place, you need to trust him. Maybe you're here this morning and that this idea of fatherhood and God being like a heavenly father, a good shepherd is so remote from you because there's a a poor picture of a father in between. I wonder if God might want to do a healing work in your life today. I wonder if you're here this morning and for you, there's a sense of your own fatherhood and there's failure. You don't think you're worthy of God's love and reaching out and holding his hand that he wouldn't walk with you, but he wants to. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've always seen God as the one who demands and has rules for you and you do not see him as the one who gives life, who wants to fill your cup and spread the banquet table. It's always been about effort and he wants to shift that lie in you. But what it's going to require of you is to do something. It's going to require of you to say, God, I want to see you for who you are. And I get off my pride, my throne of pride, and I want to say, would you come in and lead me as the good shepherd? To the father who says, I've failed, you might want to whisper words to him now. God, would you forgive me? And now would you heal me? Maybe to the person who's here this morning and there's this kind of picture of the gap between you and seeing God as a heavenly father is you've got this other father, a failed father. Maybe for you this morning, the way to start to see through that and to break that is for you to boldly, courageously, right where you are, open up your heart, and say, God, would you, would you help me to forgive my father? Would you help me to forgive my father so that I can see you as a heavenly father? It might not all be fixed just right there and then, but what it will do is open up a new beginning for you. It'll open up a new beginning for you in understanding how you walk with God. It will open up a new beginning for you to see God not as your taskmaster but as a good father so right now just where we are as Mark plays I'm going to pause and if you'd like to respond to God maybe just right where you are open up your hands as a sign of I want to I want to respond to you God and I'm open to you and right now where you are Would you respond to God as Heavenly Father?
Some of you will need to say, God, I forgive my father. Go and say that now. Some of you might say, God, I'm a I'm a failed leader. Would you forgive me? Some of you might just want to open up your hands and say, God, would you heal me? The broken heart. And others right where you are. Say, God, I choose to surrender my life to you. I want to see you as my shepherd. So respond to him now. Right where you are.